It was her weekly blessings that first put Susie Larson on our radar. Now, clearly, Susie has been given a gift by God for putting together words that really bless her readers. Now, Susie is a prolific author, speaker, and radio host. Now, her most recent works are Strong in Battle and its accompanying journal called Soul Care for the Battle. Hey, Susie, welcome back to The Morning Conversation. I'm always grateful for time with you. Yeah, amen. You know, it's been a while since uh, our first conversation with you you and we've got new listeners. I'd love for you to kind of briefly share one more time kind of how you first fell in love with Jesus, how you found him, how he found you. I was raised in a loving family. We all had our brokenness for sure, but in a denomination where I really did have a sense that God was real. I mean, I I really do think part of that was just God making sure I knew he was real, but I had a sense God was real. I sensed his presence at times, but I really did not know Jesus was accessible. I, I just didn't. And so I didn't really know the gospel, didn't really hear the gospel, but I prayed every night and there's times I felt his nearness. But as you well know in my story, I had some trauma at the hands of teenage boys. When I was 10, I was walking home from school and jumped by a different group of boys and beaten very badly. And when I got up from that beating, I was so traumatized. I was a little four foot girl in these teenage boys, I think they were high on something because they laughed wildly as they kicked me and pulled my hair and punched me. I heard in my ear, I can get to you anytime, anywhere, and God will never stop me. And some have asked, is that, was it audible? And it's like, I don't, all I know is it thundered into my ear, into my heart. Like I knew at that moment, God was real. And the devil was real. And often, Stan, when I'm speaking at women's conferences, I'll tell them, you know, the enemy sees your potential long before you ever do. He sees what is possible. He sees Imago Day on you long before you ever do. And if you just have to go back to your childhood, the first moment you felt fear, insecurity, rejection, abandonment, not enoughness, you can know he was going after your identity and your destiny. Because those are the two things that Jesus won that we can't earn. You know, Kevin and I my hubby were praying this morning and talking about you know, what Jesus did on the cross, he literally put a period at the end of the sentences regarding our identity and our eternity. Those things are no longer up for grabs if you're in Christ. It's settled. Your identity is secure. Your eternity is secure. But if the enemy can spend the rest of your life trying to skew that message, distort the message, I would submit to you, Stan, Stan and I think you probably agree with me, many Christians live maybe knowing they're saved, but they don't know they're loved. And they put up with so much from the enemy. There's such a passivity and an apathy in the body of Christ. And I love the church. I love the body. I'm part of it. But there is an apathy to passivity where we just put up with so much from the enemy. And it diminishes our sense of who we are. And it diminishes our calling. And that matters because if we're living in perpetual lies, the love of God gets lost in translation. If we don't believe it for ourselves, I mean, how are we going to impart it to a world who's desperate to know him? Susie, some people, they look at Christians and, and they go, life is easy for them. Or how have those challenges, those extreme challenges, I would say, that you've walked through in your life pre, but even post coming to know Christ shaped you? At my age and stage of life, I can testify that at every turn, every heartbreak, every battle, and many times I feel like I was army crawling. Well, other Christians seem like everything they touch turned to gold, you know? <laughs> can't tell you how many stories I would hear of people who it seemed that they suffered very shortly, where for me, it's been the long journey. I think uh, it was at Eugene Peterson who called it a long obedience in the same direction. Obviously, I needed the long <laughs> way because when I think of at every turn, I had so much fear that 
even with sickness, there was such an indictment that kind of baked into my just my sense of who I am and sense of who God is that the Lord in his mercy, really, he did temper the storm. And there were times it felt like it would swallow me whole. But I look back, he always provided these grace spaces. And I will say for me, there were times I chose fear over faith. But whenever I decided to take God at his word to say, no, wait a minute here, God's word is true. His promises are true, and I'm going to shift my weight under those promises and see if they hold, and they have every time. There's a passage that God gave to me as a young mom, and He continues to bring back to me now, but I think it's Psalm 126. Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. They weep as they plant their seed, but they return with laughter. Stan, that promise has proven true to me over and over again. There's never, ever been a time where that's not proven true, that when everything else seems to be shaking or falling apart, and I'm terrified at the neurological symptoms in my head and my face, and affecting my brain. It's terrifying. But when I go, everything else might be shaking, but I've got some seeds. I've got the word of God and I'm going to sow this and I'm watering it with my tears because my God is faithful and he's promised never to forsake me. And his word is alive and powerful and active. I'm putting this in the ground and I'm going to get a vision for what it looks like when that stuff sprouts up. And suddenly the little bit I planted, I'm going to have so much in my arms and so much to testify about his goodness that I'll even laugh again. I'll rejoice again. You know, joy will come again. And scripture says in several places, many will see and hear and put their trust in the Lord. And that has been one of those things I've hung on to. Lord, I, I, I don't understand my all the trials, but I do know that none of them have been wasted on me because I know your word better. I understand the enemy's schemes better. And I have this just fierce faith in me. Lord, let this not be wasted. I pray, God, that many will see in here and put their trust in the Lord. And so far, I'm seeing that happen, and it's been pretty amazing. Susie, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about realities and the difference, specifically chronic pain. Give us some perspective about the challenge and also what it looks like to really walk with God. For me, the levels of self-insecurities that I feel like layer by layer, God has gotten after in those places. I know in my knower, he's still a healer today. That said, what's been super hard for me, I've actually had people say, a leader at your level and you're still not healed? Where's your faith? It's one thing to suffer. It's another thing to be blamed for your suffering. Having faith in those hard times are what changed me. And it also gave me a deep heart for eternity. If you're in those places of long time suffering, I'm telling you, there's a place of grace for you. But I also want to say there's a place of activation where you ask God, what does obedience look like here? And I want you to hear this, Jeremiah 15, and I'm praying this helps somebody today. The prophet says, why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? And will you indeed be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail and are uncertain? Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return and give up this mistaken tone of distrust Mm -hmm. and despair, (laughs) then I will give you again a settled place of quiet and safety, and you will be my minister. If you separate the precious from the vile, cleansing your own heart from unworthy and unwarranted suspicions concerning God's faithfulness, then you will be my mouthpiece. You influence them. Then I will make you to these people a fortified bronze wall. They may fight against you, but they will not prevail. I am with you to save and deliver you, says the Lord, and I will deliver you out of the hands of the wicked. I will redeem you out of the palms of the terrible and the ruthless. In my healing process, God gave me a right word at the right time or a right person at the right time to keep lifting my chin. Friend said to me in this last really difficult stretch, Susie, unless the instinctive response is only goodness and mercy are allowed to chase after me. When you think of God, if you're suspicious, then something in you needs to be healed. 
And that about knocked me over. In the midst of some flaring symptoms, was I've been cultivating a heart of expectancy and realizing I'd let my disappointment embed a little bit, you know, and I'd started to get suspicious of God. And that's what the enemy wants. If he allows it, it's because he's going to redeem it. And it means to me that the enemy's going to have less real estate in my life. Mm. So that's something I've been working on. But to see this first, that God would give words to my sorrow, but then to say, you've got to get to the deepest places of your soul where you have suspicion about my faithfulness. Deal with that. Because if you can find my goodness in every season, you will be my spokesperson. And that to me is where all of a sudden the way opens up. Suddenly you hear him say, this is the way, walk in it. Susie, I remember several different experiences I've had where basically the end result was in the lesson was very similar to what you're saying of going, don't look for me in the bad things that you're seeing. Look for me around. I can't think of a time. And I've had some challenging times and major losses. I've never, ever, ever walked through anything in my 58 years, almost 59, and not seen the goodness of God in the midst of it. As dark, as hard, as unwanted uh, of the experience, I've never ever experienced something where I did not see, experience the goodness of God in the midst of it. Praise God. Yeah. We will see His goodness in the land of the living. Mm-hmm. That that really is just so important to develop a heart of expectancy. I will see His goodness. Not only will eternity take our breath away, but in the land of the living. You know, we pass through the valley of the shadow. We don't camp there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just super important to remember that we can sabotage our own breakthrough and we can delay our own deliverance by our own attitudes, by our accusing of God. And that's what the Israelites did. And again, here's another passage I refer to all the time. I really ought to memorize it, but it's in the Psalms and it says, my paraphrase, but the Israelites refused to believe God's promise to love and care for them. So they refused to enter the promised land. Instead, they stayed in their tents and grumbled and refused to obey the Lord. So there was this defiant unbelief. And I've read about the Israelites where one scholar said that their fear started out as fear, but then their fear became rebellious. That struck a a chord in me, you know, years ago because I battled so much fear that I thought, I don't want to coddle my fear to the point where my fear becomes rebellious. Hmm. They refused to believe there was a promise of God written over their lives. They refused to believe His promises, to love them and care for them. So they crawled into the smallness of their circumstance and then grumbled and complained that there was no promise written over their life. Well, it wasn't God's fault. He established a promise. He established a purpose. They just refused to believe it. And that should awaken us. That's why I feel like living in that tension of some self-compassion if you've walked through hard things and I kind of just like to shun the people who say, God always, God never. And if you're not in that camp, there's something wrong with you. Mm. I just think he's so much kinder than that. And he's kind and patient in our process. However, I think we can also get our identity from our struggles. I don't want that either. I don't want to stay on the mat and be so identified with my mat that that's what people see and not the goodness and the promises of God in my life. Susie, each year on MyBridge Radio, we uh, have a spiritual focus. And this year, we're calling it Daily 20 and 23, spending daily time with God in His Word. You know, we chose our words very intentionally, not just spending 20 minutes a day reading God's Word. We said, no, spending 20 minutes a day with God in His Word. How's developing your relationship with God through time in His Word been a reality in your life? I love that so much. And for me, you know, I I keep it fresh by 
exactly your distinction that I'm with God. To me, I've noticed that when any of the disciplines become these ought to's and should do's, it's because I've lost sight of the love of God because they're get to's. They're an invitation to. So if I get in a mode where I'm busy and I start to feel like, oh, I really ought to and I really should do, it's just because I've lost sight of the love of God because you you can't get enough of people who love you and enjoy you, right? You want to be with people who love you and see the best in you, who light up when they see you. And the Lord God sings over you. He quiets you with his love. So for me, I start out every morning. I like the Lectio 365 app. I don't know if you've ever used that, but it's about a 10 minute. It's just so sacred and so reverent. I just, I love it. So I'll start out with that and then I'll put on some instrumental music. And I sometimes just open my hands in my lap and I enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So I just start to thank him for everything I can think of, the things that come to mind. And then I just praise him for who he is. And then I open his word and I have instrumental music on. Sometimes I may play a you know a string of worship songs if that's what I need, but I like to quiet my heart. And then I just sit with God. And, and for me, I'll just tell you, uh, Stan, that reading plans don't work for me. And I know some people say, if you don't have a plan, it's not going to ever work. And that's probably true for some. But I'm kind of like that person on Christmas. I want to open one present and sit with it. I don't want to tear through all kinds, you know. So when I'm reading scripture, I will sometimes spend days on a few verses, mm. but I just have to. I can't rush past it. And especially if it's quickening something in me, I may cross-reference. I may look it up in several translations. I'll journal about it. But I'm sitting with God and I'm keeping an ear bent towards heaven. And that's how his word comes alive to me is I just, I keep the presence, you know, I stay present with the presence of God. And then together we're looking at this word that's living and breathing and that's how I do it. Susie, you've released a, a book recently, actually a journal called Soul Care. I just would love to hear a little bit about how you began the journal in the first place. I have one rule for journaling, no rules, because that's how I've managed to do it all these years, especially walking through those young years as a young mom battling a disease. I mean, I remember I would just meditate on Psalm 40. I waited for the Lord and he heard my cry. So I would write and paraphrase scripture and with Lyme, it, you know, it affected my short-term memory. So if I would paraphrase a scripture, or write out a prayer. I would just notice it would get in to the long term and uh, my memory. And so it just helped me so much. And what's really amazing is going back to see the things that I've struggled with and that God has delivered me from or prayers I was praying. Just really think there's something really powerful about recording the things God is saying because we forget who we are. We forget Mm. things that God has told us in his word. So I think to record things down and be able to look back and then have people who come after you. I'm thinking about when we're all gone and Imagine leaving your journals behind for people to read how you wrestled with God, how you struggled and how God answered. It is just a powerful practice, but only if it's a get to and not an ought to. I would say by far the number one discipline that I've heard God the clearest received from God the most consistent is through interacting with him through journaling. Like when I just started diving in with thoughts and feelings is the way that I've thought about it, right? So Love it. not trying to, you know, finished sentence in perfect English and whatever, just dove in and just begin to write. Man, he has so often spoken with me through that discipline. So that's why I was super excited when I saw Soul Care, the journal. Strong in battles like that handbook. Uh, for battle. It's just arming you for battle, showing you your stance in battle, uh, showing you how to discern predictable enemy schemes against you, where soul care is supposed to be a, a spa moment at the sea. You know, it's like it's take stepping back from the battle line and taking care of your soul and really nurturing your heart. And I even incorporate a little bit of brain science where you really are, you know, writing down the things you're thankful for. You're dreaming with God. You're extracting the precious from the worthless. Like, what are my benefits from this battle? What are my takeaways? And then there are these just kind of pages where I challenge you to activate, you know, 
go tackle a task you've been putting off, uh, clear off your desk, you know, then put on some music and dance, you know, just trying to activate you to go. I'm not going to do the same thing all the time. I need to break away from the battle and take care of my soul and have some respites from the things I've been battling. Susie, when I was kind of looking through soul care, it was super unique, very deep and rich. So walk us through a little bit through the structure of the journal and kind of how you laid it out. Yeah, there's some pages that are repeat, you know, but it's like it's long enough where you might go a month of journaling and then come back to something again, because those are a purpose. There's times where you're having an opportunity to do listening prayer. Some people have different thoughts. And if you if you're not, you know, don't want to do that, you don't have to. But, you know, Jesus says, my sheep hear me. They know my voice. They listen to me. And I feel like if prayer is only one way that you're not anticipating that God's going to speak to you, mm-hmm. you're missing the best part of the conversation. And to me, writing down a listening prayer is even more effective than just waiting for impressions. And so there have been times where I just sense the Lord saying, pick up your pen and my precious child, I want you to know that I, and he affirms his love and the direction of my life. So there are times where I'm challenging you to put something on your calendar that you're excited about. And again, the brain science behind that is when you have something you're looking forward to, it actually releases feel-good hormones in your in your body and in your brain. And the thing is, when you're in battle, you lose expectancy. And I've heard people say that oftentimes the anticipation is better than the actual event. Well, expectation is one thing where you kind of have a, a mindset that it has to turn out this way, but expectancy is another thing. So we need expectancy and we have the ultimate expectancy in eternity. So there should be an underlying expectancy in everything that we do. And God is meticulous and miraculous in the thoughts that he has towards you in the eternity he's planning for you. So just that really should fuel our hearts and our thoughts every day. And then just on a practical level, looking forward to things, plan you know time around a table with some people that you love. So there's just sort of some recurring assignments and then opportunities for you to reflect what the battle has taught me thus far. Uh, what are some things that I need to be thankful for, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. So do you use your own journal? Yeah, that's so funny. You know, I, I have used some pages out of it, but yeah. because I'm right in the thick of a journal that I think might end up being a book, I've been mm. staying really committed to that just because it's just been this healing process that I've been walking on. I'm learning so much that I don't want to depart from it. I want it all in one place. So, But I do love the journal. I love how oh, it turned out. It and my hope and prayer is that you could have no rules, that you might sit with one page one day and ignore it for a week and then sit down because you have time and go through 10 pages where you just do some soul work. And it's more of a purposeful guided uh, plan to tend to your soul and pay attention to maybe thoughts that you have on repeat that you want to maybe take some time to address that kind of thing. Susie, what have you found helpful when you can't hear what God's saying or he doesn't seem to be speaking that in those moments? Never equate silence with absence because mm. if he's silent, there could be a number of reasons as to why. And I'm not saying if you're walking through a time of silence, it's automatically because you've done something wrong, but sometimes it is. And it's like if you picture the hose and the water flowing through the hose, the Holy Spirit, just they stop the flow. It doesn't stop God's love, you know, but it stops the flow of your ability to hear him. It's always my first line of defense. Is there something in me? And there have been times where Stan, he has showed me. The second thing is I would say often is we get so 
busy that we say God's not speaking, but it's more that we're not listening. You create space for the still small voice. And then thirdly, if you really are in that place of earnest seeking, you've been fasting, you've been praying, and it's crickets, it's because he wants you to remember in the darkness what he told you in the light. Hmm. And that's why it's good to have a journal, because you can go back and go, what are some of the things he said? That's to me where saints and heroes are, are really made is going, you know what? No, his word's true and I'm not moving from it. So right here, right now, I'm being trained to trust his word, even when it doesn't feel true. You know, a phrase that God spoke to my heart a number of years ago, stewarding leadings. I need to steward the leadings. And part of that came out of like, you know, looking back even biblically, when God showed himself, appeared to, well, he didn't, but an angel to, uh, and spoke audibly to Mary about what was coming. That angel didn't keep coming back week after week. They had to steward what God spoke to them and walk that out for weeks, months. He didn't keep restirring that experience they had when he first spoke to them. That is so good. Think about in scripture how often the Israelites forgot in these last few years, all that's happened in our nation. But I was feeling like we've been exiled to Babylon. Mm. And I wanted to know what got the Israelites exiled. Like, But the first thing that they did wrong was they stopped listening to God and their hearts got hard. And you can only listen to one voice at a time. And so there are times where you're rebelliously turning from God, but he's not speaking. I'm mad at God and I'm going to listen to this voice. But there's other times you turn away from his voice because you're distracted everything that the enemy's throwing your way. But if you're not listening to the voice of God, your heart's going to grow mm-hmm. dim and eventually hard. That put the fear of God in me because it honors him when we seek him earnestly. When he's speaking, steward it, write it down, remember it. So that becomes a part of your experience and your history because you're going to want to rely on that in the days and the times when he is silent and taking up your cross and following Jesus is not easy. Life on earth is short and hard, but eternity will be glorious and forever. Susie, I'd love to hear your thoughts about how would you articulate where intimacy comes from when it's not a really about discipline, but yet there's a part that we have to do. And to me, what comes to my mind right now is just this partnering of deep rest and purposeful faith, resting in his love. Psalm 4610, when you break that verse down, it means let go and then know that he is God means to experientially encounter God. So let's start with that. In your places where you're not trusting God, let go, sink down into his love and in the place of soul striving, encounter God. As you let your roots go down into the soil of his love is how you're going to grow up into his love. In Ephesians, it says to know this love, to be filled to the fullness of God. That to me is the first step. And then the purposeful activation is apply his promise in the places where you're tempted to have fear. In Hebrews 4, talks about there's this promised place of rest for God's people, but be careful. You should be aware that you may not enter it. Israelites, he did not enter this place of rest because the message was not met with faith. And in one book, this author was talking about uh, the idea that they were slaves. Their cry reached God's ears. So he provided miraculously by sending them Moses, making a way you know, for them to be emancipated from slave labor. And she said, written into the new narrative prior, it was backbreaking labor at their cost and at the Egyptians' benefit. And so what God was doing when he emancipated them was weaving into the new narrative a rhythm of rest, but they would not have it. So let's look again at that story just to see what we can learn. Their cry reached God's ears. He sent a man. He made a way. He loaded them down with silver and gold. He healed them from all of the trauma, and yet he did this over and over again. But those messages weren't met by faith. Well, Javi and I have been praying the last couple of days going, you know, daily the heavens pour for speech. 
Mm. How many messages have you sent my way? But I wasn't in a place of faith. So I'm saying deep rest, you know, trust, stop striving, but cultivate a heart of faith. And faith is a gift, but I think you can cultivate it with a heart of expectancy to go, you know what? More is on his shoulders than on mine and praise him and remind yourself, I have a history with God. He's been faithful and he's going to be faithful again. Mm. But I think the passivity comes when we, we become victims of our circumstances where God is saying, there's a way out of this. I actually want to get involved in this, but all your striving and all your complaining is getting you nowhere. So I would love to see the church know a deeper rest and a more purposeful faith. And I think vitality would come back to our souls if we could get to that place. Well, Susie, uh, as always, it's been just a rich morning with you. And, uh, you know, many in the MyBridge Radio family have got to know you originally through your blessings that uh, we still continue to share and they continue to give us feedback on. So again, thank you for those. Do you close our time just praying a blessing over the MyBridge family? Oh, I'd be honored. And I, I again, I consider you guys friends and yeah. such a treat. And Stan, you're such a man of God. I really have just so loved getting to know you and you steward your platform so honorably and so well. So thank you for letting me be part of it. But well, Father in heaven, we just love you. We honor you. And I just, I'm in awe of you today. Just when I think of what you saved us from, but also what you saved us for. And I pray for those who are weary today listening, that they would come to you and know that they're going to find compassion. You're not going to roll your eyes, even if it's their fault, even if they've overcommitted to all the wrong things, that they're going to find a heart of compassion in you. Come, I come, all who are weary and heavy burden, and you will find rest for your souls because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I just pray rest, replenishment for the weary. But I also pray, God, that you would help us put passivity under our feet. Just as we're putting fear and anxiety under our feet, God, we repent of passivity. We repent of apathy, of just letting the enemy march into our territory, rob us blind, and then we whine and complain about it as if there's no God in heaven who hears us when we pray. So we repent of and we reject passivity and apathy and we put it under our feet and we engage our faith. God, I pray even now as I'm talking that promises would arise in the hearts and minds of every listener, that that you would remind them of a promise you made to them and they would take an active hold of it. They would strengthen their knees, take a new firm grip with their hands that others who are watching will not fall out of the race. God, I pray a new faith would rise up. And I pray, God, for fresh vision for what you want to accomplish in and through each of us in 2023. I know that you have plans to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. And Lord, I want us to be like in the land of Goshen, where there's a divine distinction between those who love God and those who don't, those who fear you and trust your name and those who don't. I pray that, God, our barns would overflow with plenty, Lord, our vats with new wine, that we would know a vitality and a youthfulness and a hopefulness and an expectancy and a joy so that people could see that in us and on us and ask about the hope within us. God, I pray you perform such wonders and miracles in each person listening today that truly the lost and dying world would look up and say, I got to know this man. I got to know this Jesus who came to save us. May it be so. In your name we pray. Amen.